Cosmos Science. News, magazine, podcasts, video and features. Welcome to Cosmos Country, where our reporters talk about dealing with climate change in rural and regional Australia. But Rambo eluded all of our early capture techniques and persisted for just over four years. They are an incredibly stealthy creature, aren't they? Much like Sylvester Stallone. This is Jamie Seidel for Cosmos Country. Today we visit some 35,000 hectares of Pilgas National Park and State Conservation Areas, a wild slice of northwest New South Wales. It was there in the Pilgas forests that for more than four long years a fugitive hid out, wanted, dead or alive. But it cleverly eluded capture by authorities. The bandits' continued freedom effectively blocked the start of a multi-million dollar conservation project, one expected to save lives and help Australia prepare for climate change. Was the fugitive an outlaw? A protester? A petty criminal, perhaps? Maybe even a terrorist? For his ability to elude capture, authorities nicknamed him Rambo, after the action star of Hollywood films played by Sylvester Stallone. With me to help unmask this renegade of the pillager is my Cosmos Country colleague, Glenn Morrison, who's been looking into the case. Glenn, what can you tell us about Rambo? Well, he's certainly something of a rascal, Jamie, and the experts at Pilliger Forest went to quite extreme lengths in their efforts to find him. News reports say they posted stakeouts, set traps. Everything was sent in from tracking dogs to Indigenous trackers, even ex-military assassins. At what must have been enormous expense, infrared cameras were mounted in the forest in the hope of tracking the bandits' movements at night, perhaps even revealing his hideout. But it seems it was all to no avail. The high-tech cameras did capture some quite cheeky images of the bandit, seemingly taunting his wannabe captors. Actually, if you ask me, they looked very much like holiday snaps. Uh, Regardless, and despite their best efforts since 2018, the authorities failed to catch him. But here's the twist. In March this year, Rambo simply disappeared from view. No more cheeky snapshots and no body or corpse to confirm his death. Various news reports said the authorities declared Rambo dead anyway, but others claim he remains at large and that he's simply fled the pillager. Thanks, Glenn. It certainly seems that nature's getting quite cranky lately. We've got a rogue otter attacking surfboards off California. We've got grumpy orcas attacking sailing boats off Spain. In this case, though, we're joined by the man who led the chase for Rambo for all those long years. He is Regional Operations Manager for Australian Wildlife Conservancy, Wayne Sparrow. Wayne, welcome to Cosmos Country. Hello, thanks for having me on the show today. Who is Rambo and is he still alive? So Rambo was a young fox when we constructed our Pilliger fenced area uh, with the construction starting in early 2018 uh, and completing sort of mid-2018. Uh, as far as is he alive? No, I'm 100% certain he has gone by the wayside for us and is no longer taunting us or the Pilliger project. How can you be so certain of that? We have an extensive array of cameras. It's about one camera every 50 hectares of our 5,800 hectare feral-free fenced area. With that, they were monitored fortnightly to determine 
cat and fox presence and absence. However, Rambo eluded all of our early capture techniques and persisted for just over four years. Those cameras are still used today to monitor whether there is a presence or absence of any feral predator activity. And it's the absence of data that is the proof in the pudding for this one. So we've actually had four months of absolutely zero data. October last year, we had a fairly significant flood come through. We had a highly experienced fox trapper contracted to do three months worth of work for us. Those floods outsmarted the fox itself and he was no longer able to track this fox. It's not uncommon to think this fox, and he has done it in the past, can go three or four weeks without being detected on a camera. But this fox managed to go eight weeks without that. So we got quite confident that he had made his own demise by mother nature. So, so might it be a, a factor of Rambo's just fled the premises? Look, that's probably the most frustrating part is we don't have concrete evidence. So yes, it is plausible that the fox died naturally. It was about probably a four or five-year-old animal by that time, which is fairly typical lifespan for a fox in the wild. It's also plausible that maybe the water drowned him in the creek line. We knew he frequented the creek quite regularly. We had back-to-back days of extensive rain. Um, so you potentially become hypothermic and passed away that way. So the biggest mystery is how did he actually pass away or did he sneak out? We really don't know. Four years is quite a long time to um, be chasing a quarry. Was anyone barracking for Rambo or, or did you become sort of close to the fox or, or were you just frustrated? A little bit of everything. So there are people that are obviously anti-hunting and the like. So Rambo had a few in his corner there. It's certainly the longest eradication period that I'm aware of of a feral-free fenced area. It become very frustrating in that sense. Why was it so important to get this one little fox? Absolutely. That's a brilliant question. So the whole intent of the Pilliga Feral Free Fenced Area is an initiation with New South Wales National Parks and Wildlife and Australian Wildlife Conservancy. Australia has the worst mammal extinction and particularly those small mammals that are predated on by cats and foxes. So this is a a new project to restore the landscape back to pre-European disturbance times. We know the likes of the species we are to reintroduce here being the greater bilby, the bridled nail-tail wallaby, the western barred bandicoot, brush-tailed betong, western quail and plains mouse have been absent in this landscape for well over 100 years. We know that without these fenced areas, these animals just simply won't survive. They will be predated on by cats and foxes and become extinct or locally extinct again. So we've got to eradicate all feral predators from these areas before we can start reintroducing animals. How quick do these fenced off areas bounce back once you've got them clear? Does it take long for the smaller animals to reconquer their lost territory? In many ways, it does. So the extent species that are still there um, are thriving now. So three to four years later, we know the uh, yellow-footed antichinus population is 10 times higher inside the fenced area than it is outside the fenced area. And the only change we have made there is removal of cats and foxes. With regards to the likes of the bilby, the bridal nail-tail wallaby, unfortunately, they will never naturally recolonise because their true wild populations are now several thousands of kilometres away. I I think the nail-tail wallabies are only found in Taunton National Park, which is probably 1,200 kilometres to the north of us. So they would never have the ability to recolonise back to this without human intervention. Do you have special training to 
come at these these hunts? Are you ex special forces or something? Or <laughs> no, certainly not to that extent. I've done quite a bit of hunting myself, a, a little bit of trapping, ran a, a number of predator control programs across Australia, from southeast and South Australia to Cape York. Um, I've been in the conservation industry for twenty plus years. Some of the uh, published photographs of Rambo are, are particularly cute and cheeky. Can you tell us a bit about some of the ways that you that you track and monitor these animals? I've been talking with your chief of IT, Damien Kerr, who's very interested in all of that sort of James Bond gadgetry, uh, I guess, that comes with the territory for you guys. But can you tell us a bit of a bit about some of the ways you you've, you use to hunt down these feral predators? Certainly. I'll start with probably the most basic and potentially prehistoric way is we have an old drag we drag up and down the road. It's essentially a cattle grid upside down. You drag the road, it obviously swipes it clean like you've raked it. You go back the next day and you're visually inspecting for any footprints or activity crossing the road. Rambo would on average show up every week or 10 days, so you, you would pick him up. Now, whilst that's handy to know whether we've got a fox or a cat because you can tell the difference between its foot, you don't know whether you've got one fox that's walking a big distance or two foxes walking small distances unless there's a distinguishing feature between their footprints. That's where technology starts coming into it. And there was 97 infrared cameras out there. They've been out there for five and a bit years now. Uh, they're working 24 hours a day. Infrared, obviously, so as to not to spook the animal. Um, and, and we can get those candid photos that you refer to. But where the cameras come in really critical is you can start identifying individual animals. Foxes are obviously naturally similar looking. However, when we got down to one cat and one fox, the cat ended up disappearing and Rambo, or what is now referred to as Rambo, a fox at the time showed up with badly torn ears. And that's become the key distinguishing feature of Rambo. The reason why we are solely confident there was one remaining fox and not two, because he's got those clearly defined ears. Much like Sylvester Stallone. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I might just step back to some of the other novel techniques we used for trying to bring Rambo undone. With rifles, obviously the, the natural way most people use a, a firearm that would be a, the traditional spotlight method um, and looking for eye shine. We up the ante and as technology progressed, you can get thermal technology uh, and thermal on the firearm. So you sit there in soul darkness um, and you have absolute clarity over what's moving around in the bush picking up on that thermal heat signature. So that's a, an absolute game changer for this style of ambush hunt um, where you don't need to be flashing a light and drawing unnecessary attention to yourself. The other beauty of technology is we've been able to put thermal onto a drone and go airborne at night as well. So uh, we had a contractor, Bo Ricketts from Precision Varmiting. He has a, a high-powered thermal drone there where we were able to fly the drone at 50, 60 metres above the canopy looking for Rambo. And whilst we never actually found Rambo itself, we found many animals right down to field mice were being picked up on this thermal device from 50 metres above the canopy. The, the technology is that good these days. It's, it's scary, essentially. Still, 007 Fox managed to find a way to elude it? Yes, indeed. Yes, yes. A very wily fox that's just um, so risk adverse. Uh, and that was a problem with it. It's, you know, if we didn't spend so much time looking for it, 
nobody would even believe the fox existed in the first place. They were incredibly good, stealthy creatures, aren't they? They're so alert to what's going on around them. Yeah, 100% correct. They are. And, you know, whilst we lump them as foxes, they are all individuals in their own right. And we had this one animal fenced into a highly vegetated, feral-free fenced area and the stakes were high where it had to be gone. So it certainly upped the ante on the challenge. So how are things progressing in the Pilliga conservation area right now? Things are progressing brilliantly. We have been able to reintroduce a third species, which was actually done late last year in anticipation of Rambo's demise. And the brush-tailed bettongs were released into the breeding area. So in with the, the bilbies and the nail-tail wallabies. Yeah, that breeding area has now come down. So we've got animals across that full 5,800 hectares. And now we can schedule the next lot of reintroductions. So the uh, plains mouse can be scheduled. The western barred bandicoot or shark bay bandicoot, it's often referred to these days, is scheduled. And we're working towards scheduling the, the western quoll release as well. So things are going forward in leaps and bounds. There's a lot of talk uh, in the science community now about rewilding the sort of programs that Australian Wildlife Conservancy are doing and what benefits it might have for climate change. And I wondered what your thoughts were on that. That's a good question. It's not one I've particularly thought about. It is definitely something that our science team are working towards of recognition that maybe the habitats, these animals survive in niche populations may not be suitable into the future. And we are exploring different areas that may become suitable habitat for the, these animals into the future. Because Australian Wildlife Conservancy has properties, if you like, all, all over the country, right? Can you can you tell us a bit more about that? You're dead right there. We do have country all across Australia, with the exception of Victoria and Tasmania at this point in time. We've got 12.9 million hectares across Australia that we look after. So from the Kimberley, Cape York, Katitunda, Lake Eyre region and the top end of Australia and these smaller projects um, in southern Australia. But I imagine once you get a healthy wildlife population back into a patch of land, that patch of land would become more natural in itself? Yeah, look, there's certainly the view that these animals are ecosystem engineers, so they will start digging extensive amounts of soil, particularly the bilbies and the, the betongs and likes. Uh, they'll be turning over the soil, restoring nutrients. By default, that will help manage some of the weeds and the fire threat as that soil is broken down and the nutrients, uh, leaf, litter and matter has changed. Yeah, as far as unfortunately, these fenced areas are sort of the stopgap measure. On a broader landscape scale, we're just not there with the feral animal control. So we, we just can't sustain the, a low enough population of cats and foxes that these animals will survive outside of these fenced areas. But that is certainly the longer term goal and, and aim for AWC is to work on that broad landscape predator population. No matter how amazing Rambo's skills were, he's still the enemy. He's still the enemy, as well, along with his cousin, the feral cat. Thank you very much for that. And thanks to my colleague, Glenn Morrison, and special guest, Wayne Sparrow, for explaining how the escapades of just one wily fox can have a wide-ranging impact. You've been listening to Cosmos Country, the podcast that goes beyond the city limits to explore how Australia's regions are coping with climate change. I look forward to you joining us again next time. You've been listening to Cosmos Country, a look at how regional Australia is preparing for and adapting to climate change. 
Cosmos Country is supported by the Walkley Foundation and Meta. For more information and to listen to the whole series of Cosmos Country podcasts, visit the website, cosmosmagazine.com.